It's kind of like our bad decision quotes. How will we pay for this? It's a mystery. It's a mystery. <laughs> That's what I'll say next time. Good, good circling. Good circling back. There it is. <laughs> for next time. Oh my gosh. How is your body going to handle these four beers? It's a mystery. Mystery. Oh, I, oh, I know. It's not no. going to be a mystery. <laughs> I know what's going to happen. I'm still doing it anyway. It's no mystery. How's this whole bottle of tequila going to respond? Oh, I know exactly how that's going to happen. <laughs> no mystery. Welcome to episode 226 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brew pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. On today's episode, the Reverends Ogan Holder, Shannon Weston, and yours truly, Brian Burkoff, will address and engage what's happening through a theological lens with a good brew in hand. Maybe some earplugs because you are now super loud, dude. We were having some audio, some audio issues before we started, and clearly we're still tweaking them a little bit. So, God, Woo. that's all right. Let me look at my extra. It woke eardrums. me up. It's fine. It just it <laughs> yes. woke me up a little. <laughs> so again, that good brew might be in one of these wonderful pub theology live uh, pint glasses. Um, we are streaming. We are streaming live on Facebook. What are you saying? We don't have any more. We're out. What are you saying? Yeah. No, I, I, I don't have it. I have a. Oh, brewery oh you don't have yours. Oh, that's Mine right. are all dirty. <laughs> I, I, I come. I come. I come with prompts. Uh, so if you'd like one of these, you can get one by becoming a supporter on Patreon. You get access to some pre and post show banter. And uh, we got plans starting at $7 a month. Head over to patreon.com slash ptlive. As always, we thank our current patrons. This week, we'll be talking about bad life decisions, controlling the scriptures, and spirituality at the doctor's office. So we're going to need a drink to get us through these conversations, friends. Bad life decisions. I didn't know we were doing a show about me. Oh, I'm flattered. I, I was going to say, I, I need another beer if we're going to talk about bad life decisions. <laughs> uh, Brian, what are you drinking today? All right. I'll try to do this uh, not too loudly. <laughs> Yesterday in Michigan was Oberon Day. It's like the annual spring release of Bell's Oberon, an American I love Oberon. ale. It is a great warm weather beverage. So I'm going to go with it, even though the temps are in the 40s here. But, you know, <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh, Ogan, what nice. are you drinking today? Um, from uh, Dogfish Dogfish Head, uh, my favorite uh, springy, summertimey beer, uh, Namaste, Belgian Namaste white. Namaste in Namaste. bed. Namaste. And yes. drink my beer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly, exactly, exactly. What do you okay, got going so on? Okay, so I went the opposite direction um, and found, maybe I should have done this last week, but I found a Guinness in our beer fridge. Ooh. So I'm celebrating a late St. Patty's Day. Um, also, uh, it, it might be a year since this has been in our fridge. It might not be a year since it's been in our fridge. And what I mean by that is it might have been more than a year. So we'll see how it is. <laughs> I don't think those go bad, do they? I mean, I don't know. It's Guinness. So you all are drinking spring beers. I'm going with this stout. So. Well, 
Listen, I listen. I almost went with this. I almost split the difference because in sitting sitting in the fridge is a cookies and cream stout. Uh, mm. So I almost I up from flying dog. I almost went with that today, but I very rarely drink a Guinness straight. I usually I, I do love a good black and tan, but um, I didn't have a tan. So yeah, last year we did our black and tans on the we, show. Remember? We did. Yes, was that last year or six years ago? I don't well, remember. It was last year. I, I had a face. It's all a blur. Maybe that's why I still have it from last year. Oh, good. It was only a year old. There you go. Listen, <laughs> the last two years felt like last year. So, <laughs> you know. Exactly. That's what we say. Everybody gets to add five years to their relationship because those two years were a minimum Ooh. of five. Exactly. <laughs> On to today's topics. All right. Apart from uh, discovering old beer in the fridge. Um, oh, it's delicious. No, wait, that, that's I'm sure it is. <laughs> All right. Apart from the phrase, life is short, what other lines do you use before making a bad life decision? What can it hurt? What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Carpe diem. Carpe diem is. is Carpe diem, motherfuckers. Like... Carpe diem. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Carpe the people diem. do the YOLO thing, you yeah. know? Yes, that's a go to. I have a uh, everything in moderation, even moderation. Mm. Yeah. That, that, but that always feels judgy almost. That, that's like, don't make a bad decision. That's like keeping you from the bad decision. No, no, well, no, because the moderation is keeping me from the, but if I use moderation, moderation, I'm about to get into some excessive stuff. So, he's gonna, so he's, I, yeah, I got you. You did the double yeah, yeah. moderation. I'm, I'm, I'm dying it's back a double on the moderation. negative. There you go. I, I was a little slow on that one. That's right. Yeah. It's all good, man. So is there any uh, example of, of a recent usage of one of these I, phrases and then something you kind of were like, yeah. I feel like, sorry, just going back, I, the more I think about it, I feel like I say a lot like, oh, we'll just figure it out. Like when I make a bad, like when I want something like a financial decision or a vacation or, you mm. know, that's maybe a bad decision that yeah, yeah. isn't bad, I'll be like, we'll figure it out, you know? Yeah. And yeah. then I never really figure it out. <laughs> 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 I don't know that that's a bad life decision, but a, a couple of those can accumulate to a bad life decision. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think no. I I think I think I usually uh say things like this right before I do a lot of drinking. <laughs> or yeah. like I know I'm about to eat something I either shouldn't be eating or or an excessive amount of food. Yeah, usually, I'll worry about it later. Yeah, usually, <laughs> usually it's down to it's down to things I'm putting in my face at this point in time, right? Oh, the, wait a second, I don't want to hear about all that. <laughs> safe space. This is a safe space. <laughs> uh, but but usually, yeah. So like so, for example, uh, you know, I went I went to visit a friend uh, uh, last Friday night, and he was like, you know, hey, they opened up. He he lives about an hour away over in Alexandria and he's like they opened up this like new brewery well, it's not entirely new but uh in in his neighborhood you know like in some neighborhoods there's like a random like little industrial complex um and and in one of these they open this brewery so we go over there and I'm like eh, I'll just have one beer I'm trying to I'm trying to you know just gonna have one right you know three beers later yes you know and and then the uh, the the guy who one of the guys who worked there was a good friend of my friend, and he's like, you, you know, 
and it was he had owed my friend for something. He's like, you know, you know what? You guys don't have to worry about your about paying for your beers tonight, and you can even have one more if you want. So four beers in. <laughs> and yeah. there was there was no moderation. So Listen, usually honey, that's that's what say that. Yes. We've all been there. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Brian, you oh. asked you asked a you asked a like follow-up question, and then I went back to this question. What was your follow-up question? Examples. Again? He was like giving an example. Oh, that example. was that was that was my that was my example. You know, yeah. and oh. I, again, no, no regrets, not judging it, other other than other than I could have done without those calories, one. And my high blood pressure could have done without that alcohol. So um, I'm, I'm, I am in, in those regards, I'm, I think I, I shared with you guys, like I'm, I'm because ever since I contemplated this idea about maybe like by 50 and I'm like two years away from 50, <laughs> I'm going to stop drinking. Right. That uh, is like, so not real. That ever since so that thought happen. entered my mind, I have been drinking more. Of <laughs> you course you have. You gotta get it in now. You gotta get it in. <laughs> right? and it's been, I didn't realize it was so unconscious. That that sounds like one of these <laughs> one of these lines. Oh, one day I'll stop doing that. Yeah, life will be short if I keep it up at this rate. I got. I mean, I, I hate to say that I'm not a I'm not a big risk taker in life. Um, with life choices, I guess I want to say right. Yeah. Um, I mean, parenting will do that to you if you're. No, I mean it will, but I, but I will. I mean, I'll be really honest and and a little bit vulnerable in this. Like this, this is sometimes been financial for us. You know that mm-hmm. when you're so when you when you have to be when you have a large family and a small income, like you have to be so restrictive. And every once in a while, I'm like, fuck it, I just want to get this thing, you know, yeah. or I just want to go on this nice vacation. And then you use, you use the, we'll figure it out and we deserve it. And we deserve it. Right. And, and I totally do. (laughs) Yes. And you're not wrong. But there's consequences, you know, later. And like I said, if you get the, the new outdoor furniture and the vacation, Mm -hmm. you know, now we've got a problem. Um, and then you ended up not getting money back in your taxes actually owing. And this is where, this is actually where it becomes a life like, oh, now this is affecting my quality of life because now I'm anxious all the time and blah, blah, blah. So as much as it doesn't sound like it, it is, you know, to to quote, to quote a wise minister from a few minutes ago, we've all been there. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, I just, but I also, I'm like, I don't really see that ending. (laughs) Like, I don't see that stopping anytime soon. Retail Maybe once, th- listen, retail therapy. Listen, retail therapy is a real thing. Okay, let's not let's not entirely well, knock retail therapy. Sometimes, gonna, you, sometimes you need something just to take the edge off, so you can make smarter choices. There's gonna come a time when some financial advisor is gonna sit down with us and be like, "You're never gonna be able to retire," and we're gonna be like, "Okay, we will never buy another thing again." Like, <laughs> if that means I can retire, I will never. I will purchase groceries, and that is all. You know anyway yeah Yeah. so jeff on facebook uh says a phrase that he uses before making a bad decision is hold my beer hold my beer (laughs) nice another classic see i'm not my my brother-in-law is he like if you dare him to do something he will skateboard off something or he will do a dirt bike down a hill and like he broke his clavicle in the middle of covid Mm -hmm. doing some stupid thing in there 
driveway and my sister's a social worker at the DA and at the VA. And she was like, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> like, you know, she's like, my world is falling apart and you just decide to go do something stupid. So right. my, my answer might be different if I were, if I were a daredevil type, but I'm not. Sure. Sure. All right. Here's a quote from Reverend Daryl Hamilton, who says, the ones who tell you not to question the scriptures are usually those who want control over the answers you get. Is that a fair assessment? Well, yeah, and, and control over the scriptures too. Like they just want control, period. And have you been in that place where like, yeah, where, where you were you were asking the questions and, and it wasn't received well or you were not encouraged to continue down that line? I, this may be earlier in our experiences, but I was but I was I was going to say welcome to the evangelical world, um, yeah. I've, and I've and in that world I was on both ends of these on the, of mm -hmm. this equation, right? Right, telling other people not to question <laughs> the scriptures in the scripture is sacrosanct. It is it is it is God, so yeah. we can't we can't question it, and then me also question it. <laughs> But then also telling myself I can't question and then still sometimes asking people who were then also telling me not not to question. And often the 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 reply of not questioning was me not seeking to uh, refute or oppose, but seeking an explanation or even a deeper answer. And it was clear that they didn't know. So, you know, their replies, just don't question it. Mm -hmm. Right. In some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I remember um, sitting with my pastor in high school, and I was about to do confirmation or what we called it something else, but confirmation type thing. And, and we were talking about the reform doctrine of uh, not just predestination, that God has chosen some people for heaven forever, but double predestination, where God also predestined people for eternal damnation and damnation, hell. Damnation, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah pretty sure that's that's not cool and 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 he's like well it's all grace brian like we all deserve hell and you know the fact that some of us aren't going to be there is just purely god's grace and isn't wonderful and we should praise god and there, there was like zero room for me to to resist to question to wonder about it it was just here's this ugly thing swallow it and move along you know and i just always remember that moment and think that was a bad pastoral moment by him. Right. Yeah. And I, I, um, I mean, there are so many examples. I mean, I could start in the Christian ed room and maybe first grade going, I mean, I really was the kid who wanted to know where Mrs. Kane came from. Like I legit was obsessed with that. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, it really doesn't make any sense at all. Like the only way this could happen is if Eve was Mrs. Kane and that's just wrong and bad. Oh, whoa. Right. Well, but again, I'm a child going, there yeah. are three people. Yeah, you're doing you're math. Like, Show world. me the other woman on earth. Exactly. <laughs> Basic math, people. Basic right. math. And Not even about sex, it's about math. Well, I don't even, I mean, I probably whatever but I, I like my mind wasn't even thinking about sex I wasn't thinking I was just like yeah, literally math. like <laughs> there are three people there were four now there are three and now Kane is there's a Mrs. Kane like where did she come from yeah anyway 
And like, I remember being told at that time, really, like, you don't question these things. And, and, and there's another, you know, there are so many ways of phrasing it. People often do this and dismiss questions with, it's a mystery. It's the mystery of faith. Yeah. You know, that'll often like, and that to me means I don't have an answer. <laughs> and not only do I not have an answer, like, we're not going to speculate because that's wrong. You know, it's, it's, we're not going to question God's will or. Yeah. And there's a little bit of fear about where those questions might lead, because I, I do think there's a, a place of landing at mystery, but it's not the first response to legitimate questioning on scripture, et cetera. Yeah. Mystery is not synonymous with ignorance. Exactly. And, Ooh. and, and I, I love mystery. Like great is the mystery of faith. Like I love the mystery of faith. If yeah. not, it's not faith. But when you use mystery as an excuse to not do some critical thinking or some explorative thinking, um, that's a problem. You know? It's kind of like our bad decision quotes. How will we pay for this? It's a mystery. It's a mystery. <laughs> that's what I'll say next time. Good, good circling. Good circling back. <laughs> for next time. Oh my gosh. How is your body going to handle these four beers? It's a mystery. Oh I, oh, I know. It's not no. going to be a mystery. <laughs> I know what's going to happen. I'm still doing it anyways. How's this whole bottle of tequila going to respond? Oh, I know exactly how that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's no mystery. Oh, my gosh. All right. Speaking of how your body's going to respond, does spirituality belong at the doctor's office at the 10th annual conference on religion and medicine uh, earlier this month, Dr. Victoria Sweet, uh, or maybe it was later this month, <laughs> is giving a plenary talk titled Space for the Sacred in the Care of the Sick. And the conference highlights scholarship focus on the intersection of healthcare and religion, including some organizations that argue we must make room for both uh, the sacred and for spirituality in the doctor's office. Wondering how you feel about that. Does that feel like a, a, a thing you want to experience? Does it feel like a blurring of like, not church and state, but like medicine and mystery? <laughs> I think, I think there's room. I think there's room for both. But I think a lot of times people have the tendency to make an either or thing. Right. Yeah. So, so I, I belong, I belong to unity, which is new thought, which, which, comes down the line from Christian science and Christian scientists are people who are um, very adamant, at least hardcore traditional Christian scientists is that, is that illness is a matter of the mind over the body mm. and through proper, what they would call mental treatments, you can alleviate illness from the body. There are many Christian scientists who will not take any form of medical care or right. medicine as yeah. a, as a, re, as a result. Right. Um, so, so this, this is not just is that why the, that group is dying out. Haha. -ha, Sorry. Just too soon, man. Too oh, soon. That I, was, that was, too, too I soon. mean, yes. I apologize like, on behalf of oh. Brian for all you Christian scientists <laughs> well, that might be listening. Well, I mean, Dude, come on. That was a line. There was a line there. Was there? <laughs> yeah, there was. If, anyways. Okay. Anyways. Anyways, uh, so, <laughs> no, so it's okay. And I love you, but a million people are dead from COVID. Let's not make that. <laughs> no, but when you're dead because there's help and you're saying, I don't need help. I'm just going to think myself to feel better. I'm not going to feel sorry for that. 
so so again this is this is the this is a room for the both end right this is a room for the both end because we we do know that a lot of our health is a matter of mind uh, over the body right H- hence the whole placebo uh, uh effects yes, there, right yes, so, there, there is so a- there's right so there's that and two we also know that there there are many spiritual practices mindfulness practices prayer practices that do have an influence on health outcomes yeah. like that's that's been statistically proven um where where i run into trouble is when people use those uh to the to the point that your really poor joke landed on there, Brian, the people who, who take those to the extreme, <laughs> take those to the extreme and do not seek medical care or vice versa, you know, uh, medical practitioners who dismiss people's uh, faith or right. their, or their, or their spiritual and- practices uh, as having any impact or influence on on their health. So for me, this is this is a both and uh, question. Where 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 this whole conference, um, um, I'm I'm curious about is is are, are they landing squarely in the middle here? Is this a conference that was organized by people more on the religious side of things, more on the medicine side of things? Well, you, hold you, on. you know what I'm saying? I mean, this is what I don't understand. The tenth annual conference of these two things. And the name, the space for the sacred and the care of this. I mean, hospitals have had chaplains in them for how long? Yeah. I mean, this is actually not a new concept that we need medical care and we need spiritual care. So no, but do you? But maybe it's focused more on on the physicians and the and the you know which, the healthcare professionals who maybe feel like that's out of their realm. And I don't disagree. I, and I don't think doctors should be should try to be pastors what i do think and i worked in a hospital as a chaplain for a time a very short time but a time and what i can tell you is that a lot of doctors need a bedside manner training yeah yeah but what you don't want to hear is your surgeon to say what should we do next i don't know we'll pray about it It, well and and what I would what I well, would like to see out of this is the encouragement of so my my grandmother died you know a year ago January and before that she was ninety seven for the five years before that she was um, she had lived in she was in one of those tear down you know or tear up or whatever um, senior living facilities so sure. she had her own apartment and then she the apartment or the villa moved to the apartment that became a room and then that became full time nursing care. Yeah. And, and she got more and more isolated in that process. Right. Mm. And so, yeah. you know, and, and I remember at one point saying to my family, they were talking about how depressed she was getting because of the isolation. And a lot of my family isn't religious, which nobody, you know, that's fine, whatever. And I said, Hey, has anybody been in touch with her priest? You know, has anybody reached out to that? And they were yeah. like, Oh, and my aunt who took care of her, she said, you know what? Like he kind of makes the rounds but I didn't really think to call him, you know, right. and, and just that again. recognition Say and that again. understanding that this you. is part, this is part of the whole body. And I think we yeah. are approaching medicine as a holistic understanding now, thankfully, you know, exactly. Yeah. And what, what's been your experience in terms of reception in um, hospital healthcare type situations as a clergy person, you know, I, I feel like 
I've had mostly positive experiences. People understand why you're there and they generally treat you, right. you know, yeah. like they'll give same. you space and all of that. Same, same. It's always, yeah. it's always been positive. Even, even when I did my stint as a chaplain and I'd walk into a room, you know, even if a patient didn't want me to be there, they'd be nice and tell me they didn't want me to be there. You know, even even the ones that were there angry at God, right? Yeah. Were still were still nice to me. They were very clear that 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 this wasn't my fault, um, yeah. as the as a quote unquote representative of God. But but to go back to the thing you you said there, Brian, um, there are some people who want their surgeon to go like, yeah, I'm going to take this into prayer, right? There are sure. some people or want while to also using you all your medical training. Well, yes, yeah, but but. I can tell you there will be people who are comforted when a surgeon says I am or a doctor says I am not clear where to go in your treatment that will take comfort with I'm going to pray about it. And then there are okay. others who are like when a when a doctor says that they heading for the door. Right. right? So right. so so you 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 have both and so where I'm where I'm to, to Shannon's point there is a there no matter where you are in that spectrum your level of comfort and assurance, however you define that, goes a long way mm. towards your health journey, towards your rehab journey, because it alleviates stress. Yep. And, and all stress does is compound your illness. Yes. So even so even 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 if it it's weird to some of us, <laughs> you know, yeah. it, a doctor who is also a person who is so faith filled that he's going to say this, which, uh, you know, to your point, I don't know that he should, but then again, if you know your audience and you know that's going to help your patient feel more relaxed, feel calmer, alleviate stress, I, you know, on, on those grounds, I'm not entirely against it. Now, if it goes to the point where you're like, you know, yeah, I don't know what to do, so just go home and pray. Well, I mean, that that might be a bit much, but it's sort of. Well, I don't know. I don't First know, off, let's ballpark. not assume the doctor's male. And also, second off, we'll um, <laughs> let's. Me and but my let's, me, uh, listen, I've been on a journey of discovering my internalized no, sexisms <laughs> late, lately. So thank you for pointing that out. No, I'm just stating, you know, but I don't know. I'll, I'll be really honest. I don't know that I would be comfortable with my doctors saying, even knowing my profession or mm -hmm. whatever, if my doctor said, would you like to pray about this right now? I would probably be like, uh, no, thank you. Like yeah. you yeah. stay in your lane, man. Stay in your uh, lane. And I mean, man, in terms of person yes. and, you know, and, and I'm going to, but if a doctor handed me resources and mm -hmm. said, you know, here is a support group that meets in a church. Yeah. Here is a, there is a chaplain available at your disposal. Yeah. Um, do you have a faith community that you could tap into? Is there a pastor we could call? Like if that, if that's the way it's introduced in the room, great. But again, I, I don't think we should ask this. I think we should ask bedside manner, good, decent, compassionate doctors, right? Yeah, which is being I, a kind of a present good human. Yeah. I don't need doctors to spend their time taking theology classes. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't want to expect that of them. Um, and I know some doctors that are very deeply, I, I've gone to pray um, before a surgery in a room where a doctor or a nurse said, may I stay? Yeah. And, and, and 
the patient is comforted. You know, I am comforted. We pray for them in the midst of, we always pray for the people caring for them, you know, especially in a surgery or whatever. Um, and, and that could be ways of entry. Into Wait, this. you've been asked to stay in the room during a procedure? No, no, no. When oh, I go I'm to just, pray I'm before a procedure, the doctor will stay. I got you. I got you. I pray. thought you were, yeah, I misheard this. Who was staying? No, no, no. So Shannon getting all gloved up and got <laughs> yeah. the mask on. Uh, and they don't want like, surgeons, surgeons there Again, with the scalpel. I'm going to stay in my lane. <laughs> yes. Which is why when people say, well, here are the options they've given me. What do you think I should do? Okay. I'm like, I can't tell you what to do. It's you know. a mystery. <laughs> Life is short. Hold my beer. Hold my beer. <laughs> and on the flip side, we also don't want medical professionals dismissing a person's faith no, or spirituality. No, no, no. I, because I because I, sometimes that that happens when to, to shannon's point the doctors you know says here's your options and somebody says well i'm gonna go home and pray about it right you don't need yeah. a doctor giving you an eye roll you don't need a no, doctor going no, no, right no, you need course. a doctor saying okay uh, whatever helps you get to your decision yeah give me a call when you decide what you're doing right yeah. but yeah. but that's happened and the last it thing i'll say is. about this is that chaplains in medical spaces one of the main things that they do is they care for the caregivers they care for the nurses they care for the mm -hmm. doctors they so i think spirituality belongs in hospitals and doctors offices but not just for the patients yeah that's because great. these are these are highly overworked people even mm -hmm. in the best of times yeah and are dealing with life and death on a daily basis um, and, and having resources like spiritual care is vital for them to give good medical care. So let's also name that in the midst of it. Right. Well said. Yeah. Agreed. Well said. All right. Soren Kierkegaard wrote back in the day, it is wretched to have an abundance of intentions and a poverty of action, to be rich in truths and poor in virtues. So how do you bridge the gap from intention to action? Get off your ass. So if you're interested in having a coach help you move from intention <laughs> to action, Ooh. you can email me at. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or me. <laughs> yeah. either, either one of us. Yeah. Don't email me. <laughs> so, I mean. Well, I mean, because I think we talked about this before, like, you know, mm -hmm. like that sometimes it feels like you can come up with all these great ideas, but they yeah. sometimes land in the space of like someday instead of like, okay, do it. Well, I can't do it because I bought all those vacations and now I'm paying for them. Son of a... There you go. No, but I, I mean, really, honestly, like I, um, I like a plan and, yeah. you know, I have to be, to move from intention to action, I have to spend some time figuring mm -hmm. out how I'm going to do that, right? Yeah. Um, and we all know people, and, and this is actually why I love working in a connectional church where you know we believe that that more is better because there are people who are natural idea people 
Is that and what's in, is that what's influencing your spending habits too? In it con- uh, the the more is better. <laughs> yeah, I'm the idea or, person here. Someone else figure out the budget. Right. <laughs> um, some of us have all the skills. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right. You're right. Like but, not everybody but, is great at the. Well, here's the concrete. You know, practical plan. Yeah, I mean, I how many times have I walked into a meeting and a person goes, we should do this and this and this and this and this. And then I said, great, which one of those are we going to do? And how are we going to accomplish it? And who's going to help us do that? And they're like, crickets. Crickets. I think I got to go. And I'm yeah. like, that's, well, I'm, I'm, that's kind of where I am. Like, I, I'm kind of like those folks. Like, I, I'm good at ideas. And then it's like, well, how's that going to happen? Well, and then know. and then there's the people who are like, tell me what to do and I'll do it. Yes. Right. Tell, like who who, by the way, all of our churches love and they do freaking everything yes. and they volunteer for everything. And sometimes they follow through and sometimes they don't. But like oftentimes they do. And and even though we look at that and we say that's not necessarily fair, as long as we're all communicating openly yep. with each other, I think it's OK. You know, like as long as the doers are saying, well, here's what worked and here's what didn't. And the idea people are taking that information back in to the, you know, the pot and stirring it back up to say, okay, well, here's another, you know, plan or whatever. As, as, as long as there's communication, I think it's fine. It's the problem happens when the, there's just a directive, do this. And, and are the idea people related to the people who are often criticizing the people who are doing but never step in to also be the doer and then potentially be criticized are you asking for a friend very specific (laughs) (laughs) yeah are you asking for are you asking for a friend i feel like there could be theoretically names names attached to that statement (laughs) well because i i think i could be that person i mean i think that could be me sometimes where it's like (laughs) so you know it's easy to like critique someone who's doing something and you think they could do X, Y, or Z to do a better job. But then it's like, but are you doing, what are you doing, you know, to do that better or different? But, but, but that's, that's part of a leader's role, right? When, when, when you're a leader part, you are supposed to be slash supervisor. You are supposed to be one that says, Hey, thank you for stepping in and, and, and doing this. Yeah. And and there has to be dynamic staring along the way. You just don't hand the thing over and show up when it's done, because yeah. then it, you know, back to our first question about bad ideas. Right. Like mm-hmm. some some you 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 outline a plan and sometimes people who are executing that plan. Read it a whole lot different than what's on the paper. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 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 that should be part and parcel of the whole process. And and no, the, the the leader, while the leader, yes, should be there, it, it can't fall on the leader to be doing everything. Right. Uh, uh, otherwise, been... the leader will burn out, but it is part of the leader's responsibility to, to oversee, to supervise, to, to make tweaks Yeah, necessary. to observe and to um, reflect, right? To, yeah. you know, and to ask the good questions again. If you would like coaching, it can yeah. move you from intention. And right, like, it, I, like I mean, but seriously thing. though, like to add, like, okay, well, how did that work? What would we have done differently yeah. if, or in the beginning of it, if we could have any outcome from this, you know, what would be our best possible outcome from this? 
and you know what was our learning and and to me that not only is i think one of the other things that bridge the gap is the um and we don't talk about this enough is the um the nerve to fail right the yeah. going into something saying this may not work right and that's okay because yeah. we're going to learn something from it and um i i think I think that is often what stops us is our fear of failure. And 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 to Shannon's uh, point, it's not what you do is also how you do it, right? So what kind of leader are you? Are you are you are you the bossy crack the whip totalitarian leader or are you the the more in inviting um you know collaborative, collaborative right? So so how you and do it matters. You're also working within a, con a confines of a system and you know, all of that. But to me, the the key to moving from intention to action um, repeatedly, right? So we continue to move forward, not just once, is, is that communication, that reflection, and the gratitude that comes with the people who are acting. Um, yeah. And, and, and one more piece I'll add about bridging that gap is how uncomfortable are we willing to get? Right, because a lot of people have a lot of great ideas of things that should be done, but they're not willing to get uncomfortable. They're not willing to sacrifice, mm -hmm. whether it's, right. it's it's time or or more insidiously uh, beliefs about things. Uh, you know, we 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 talk a lot about this, um, or I talk a lot about this uh, in the anti-racism work I'm I'm doing. A lot of people who who are very clear they're quote unquote not racist, and they have great uh thoughts about that but then it's like what are you actually doing to help create an anti-racist society right what are you doing mm -hmm. to examine your own internalized biases well we're not doing that because it means we got to get uncomfortable and we got to we got to talk about racism and and that's an uncomfortable conversation because we're not comfortable with race and in order to do that we have to be able to be uncomfortable the expectation that we change things and not be uncomfortable is a is a flawed expectation and, and discomfort is not a bad thing it's how we grow uh so so are we willing to be uncomfortable in order to make whatever this is that we say we want to happen be a be a reality and i think i think when you have that you know that that uh, stonewalling of of people not stepping into action it's it's the discomfort of giving up something whether it's time it's money it's thoughts it's it's belief it's it's you know attachments yeah i think about how many times i teach our children that um it, it's oh i'm sorry i'll try to do better right and the words are great, but as they move into teenage years, me saying and us modeling, the words are great, but I need to see it. Yeah, words don't mean words don't mean jack shit. Right. <laughs> like I appreciate you, like I appreciate you apologizing, or I appreciate that you're saying that you understand why. Um, for instance, art this is an issue in our house, <clears throat> is that you know, respecting communal space, sure. right? So that means your dirty socks. That means talking on speakerphone all over the house while other people are trying to live Yet, and work. Yeti you know. mics and bags in the dining room. Exactly. <laughs> you know, 
but to be able to say, you know, I've, I've asked you repeatedly, like leaving wrappers of food all over the couch or something, right? Whatever it is to say, like, you say you're understanding me. And yet when I come downstairs the next day, it's all still there. And what you can really do to show someone that your intention is good is that action, right? That, mm-hmm. oh, I've, I've not only heard you, I'm going to show you. And that, I mean, that's a vital lesson we all need to learn is that, you know, apologies are good. I'm not discounting apologies. Words go a long way, but if I don't follow that up, then, then that's a problem. Right. And that's kind of the biblical idea, notion of repentance is kind of like not just being sorry, but actually shifting your life and taking action to follow suit. Yeah. So I brought up the critic point because, you know, we're all in, you know, in, as clergy are in a public position and everybody's sort of an armchair, you know, preacher and it's easy to critique um, and imagine how you might do it better. And in the pre-show, we were talking about the Supreme Court nominee hearing and politicians are also easy to critique. Mm-hmm. And I discovered running for office, everybody knows how to run for office, even if they mm-hmm. haven't done it before. And so I have a little more sympathy for, for politicians, because you are in the crosshairs of everyone. Everyone knows that you should be doing better than you do. And I just realized that's a really hard place to be. Yeah. But again, if you're a seasoned politician, I'm going to look at your record and I'm going to ask what you have voted for. Yeah. I'm, I'm, and so if your words are matching your mouth and, and they'll, you know, oftentimes it's, well, that bill was different and here were the circumstances around it. I was like, I appreciate nuance just as much as the next person. Right. And yet at the end of the day, did you do what was right? Yeah. And you know? this is not excusing being a terrible person or a terrible, you know, a terrible leader, but I, I have a little more. Or couching questions about critical race theory when really you're just yeah. being racist. It, well, amen to that. There you go. Amen to that. All right. There so. Uh, moving us uh, to the other side of the, the world, uh, Patriarch Kirill of Moscow, who is head of the Russian Orthodox Church, recently spoke to military leaders and published a statement in honor of Defend the Fatherland Day. <laughs> you gotta love that. Defend the Fatherland Day. So this uh, cleric congratulated Putin for his high and responsible service to the people of Russia declared that the Russian Orthodox Church has always striven to make a significant contribution to the patriotic education of compatriots and lauded military service as an active manifestation of evangelical love for neighbors. And within hours of him saying that, bombs began to rain down on Ukraine. So it made me think about this fusion of religion, nationalism and militarism and is this unique to this situation in Russia, or are there uncomfortable parallels in our country and, and elsewhere? So, first of all, uh, when you live in an authoritarian government, you got to do what you got to do to keep your head on your shoulders. So, so from that <laughs> regard, I'm not entirely mad. <laughs> I'm not entirely mad at his efforts to stay out of like some work camp in Siberia. Okay. For me, so- it wasn't even the, the fact that he said it. It was the idea that there is such a thing as defend the fatherland defend day. The fatherland you know, day. like that to me is where I'm like, what the hell is happening? Anyway, <laughs> go ahead. Uh, so so I mean that's 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 the only thing I'll say in in defense of of that, right? 
and and so and, can and, I but, pause about yeah. that though? Uh-huh. Like, yeah. you know, somebody asked this question um, about Peter's denial of Jesus, right, mm-hmm. on, during Holy Week, and. Um, so if you preach narrative lectionary, it, it, it came up in the lectionary like a day or a week or two ago. Um, I switched for Lent, but normally I do preach uh, narrative. So I was in a group and they were like, is anybody have any like new thought on this or any like, you know, how do we talk about this really? And, and one of the things that I was reflecting on is um, we had taken a group of young adults to Cuba where we had a sister church a couple of years ago, five, six, seven years ago. Yeah. And w- one of the, the, the idea was, is that we got our young people together with their young people. And we went camping and hiking together to talk about what it is to live in, to be a Christian in a nation that is not predominantly Christian. Right. Mm-hmm. And so one of our meetings was with the elders of the church before we embarked on this and all the young you know, people were there. And the elders were talking about what it was to live through the revolution in Cuba, where it was actually illegal to be Christian. And and I use that as an example of Peter's denial, right? To say, you know, we have to ask ourselves a question at some point, to your point, Ogan, of what is the highest thing God asks of us, and that is to live, right? I mean, I, I don't know. I, we could get on a whole thing about martyrdom, but I just, <laughs> I, I think Peter in that moment, or, or, you know, Peter's goal in that moment was to live. Stay alive. Stay alive. And mm. I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that goal, right? And, and I think he told himself, we'll figure it out later. <laughs> we'll figure it out later. Right? <laughs> Jesus will forgive me. It'll be fine. <sighs> I, well, it'll be fine we'll figure it out later yeah so there is there anyway is... i just want to point that out right. i don't well, no, know that like that's that. this person may actually believe all of this right, right. but I, I really do want to point out that our instinct to survive is not a bad one it's and not i a don't bad one. think it goes against god so, now on the on the flip side this this cleric this cleric might have a really fat bank account well, I mean, right? well, so again, there, there, there's there's a flip side of this this whole. This, I am discussion not as well. defending this person. <laughs> He's got a beach house in Sochi. Oh, he doesn't he have was, to wonder was, how we. He doesn't have to wonder how we gonna figure this out. His he, was he one knows. of the yachts that was confiscated. But, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, all that being said, how many times do we need to read scripture? You don't even need to have all the answers. Just read scripture on how nationalism is bad. Yes. Nationalism is idolatry. Yes. Like how, like it's there in like the first book. <laughs> and yet go to a church in this country around 4th of July weekend. Not mine. <laughs> I know, but a lot go, to, of go, to, go to some, go to some churches, go to some churches, Many. Um, but, but yes, it is the, the, the two are conflated. And I, and I think when that's the case, uh, the folks have lost their way as, mm-hmm. as folks tend to do when, when it comes to this and, and egg, egged on by, by a certain brand of the political system that, that, that's milking that for all it's worth mm-hmm. um, as, as well. It's, it's, it's a real, it's a real dangerous um element of of religious and spiritual narcissism mm-hmm. we 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 god's on our side 
you know, versus anybody else's side. There's also Um, a poverty that's brought in here. And I mean, a spiritual poverty and a physical poverty, right? That uh, the reason why propaganda works is because there's poverty. Like there's, there's a physical um, exhaustion of poverty. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's easier to keep people down when, when they're exhausted. Um, Somebody really great said that who I can't remember right now. And um, actually Hugh, our friend Hugh quoted it on Derek's podcast, food and faith podcast um, last week. And if you want to know who said it, go listen to that (laughs) and he can tell you, but, but I mean, I think that's an important element in this is that the, especially the countries the U.S. included at times, although not to this extreme, in my opinion, um, that fusion of religion, nationalism, and militarism comes with extreme poverty when it feels that there's no other choice. Mm-hmm. And what what I have witnessed in the last, let's say, 10 years, but five particularly, six particularly, is a shift to creating um, trying to create more and more of that poverty in the right. U.S. And right? I mean, to your point, it, it's what fuels anti-immigrant sentiment, right? Yep. They are coming to take your jobs. And that's why you are not prosperous. And they're going to take all the social services and you're Exa- going to have to pay ex- more taxes. Exactly. And, yep. and, and, and exactly. No, you're, you're, you're poor because your employers and their employers aren't paying you a livable wage. And right. this was, I, I, again, this was, this was one of the, the silver linings of the pandemic and the great resignation of people say, no, that's not the case. And how many, how many restaurants, how many service industries are like, okay, we will pay you more. Now we will give you benefits. And apparently could have done that all along. Apparently we could have. Apparently we could have. So apparently there's a photo of this uh, cleric wearing a $30,000 Swiss watch. Nice. And then they like realized said. what a bad look it was. And so they <laughs> took the photo and they like airbrushed it, photoshopped it out. Oh, and they, no. forgot, they forgot to take out the reflection of it on the table. So you can still see the watch even when they tried to take it out. The links, the links they go to, right? Oh. That people go to. Love of money, the root of all evil. $30,000 watch. Wow. I, I mean, if you want, if you want a scriptural platitude about it, right? You, one cannot serve two masters. Like, let's just go. You know, if you yeah. if you really want it, um, and clearly, you know, uh, clearly, actually, this person doesn't. This person serves one master, and, <laughs> yeah, and sure. it is it is and not it is Rolex, right? <laughs> I mean, it is it Ooh. is whatever gets him paid. Yeah. You know, I don't know. That's the brand. Don't sue us, Rolex. I'm just. Saying a watch brand. There's also a quote that says Kirill sees himself as one of three great Christian leaders himself, one of the great three Christian leaders, also Orthodox Patriarch Bartholomew the First of Constantinople and Pope Francis. All righty then. So if you ask him, oh yes, I'm so one the, of the great the three. three popes. <laughs> the great three. Uh, I don't know Francis. The will Holy agree Trinity, with that. if you will. Yeah, I don't know that Francis wants anything to do with him. But um, yeah, uh, you know, it's it's so so he's not a great example, but there are people who are there are clergy who are in that tough position. Uh, you know, we can also go back to how much of the rise of Nazism was enabled by the church in Germany at, yeah. at the time. Oh, and for sure. 
and on the flip side, you know, how much, how much of the church, uh, um, um, fought to promote uh, abolition and freedom of slaves and were part of the Underground Railroad. So, so you have you 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 have a cross the spectrum. And again, to Shannon's point, it's it's, it's how much how much of the gospel, uh, how much of your of your 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 the spiritual tenets, whatever whatever faith you aligned with, which often you know what what are those uh we call the perennial philosophy that runs through all of them about about loving your neighbor but welcoming the stranger. Uh, yeah. making those a priority how much are you going to adhere to those uh you know and at, again as we discussed earlier you might also be uh you know a parent with kids and you're like i need to be around for my kids so right. so yeah some, some, sometimes it's it there there are no there are no simple black and white answers here but if you were in a thirty thousand dollar Rolex, like I think we're while your country you stars, yeah. while your country yeah. stars, and you taking over another nation, I think we know where you are. And yeah. it just shows that you know that it just when you have a national church, it just is a conflation that shouldn't exist. You know, because as right. Martin Luther King Martin Luther King put it, we are to be the conscience of the state. But if your employer is the state, mm -hmm. it makes it hard to be critical. Well, and that's, I mean, that's a difference. Um, uh, like, I'll just be honest, that is a difference in the United States is that it, it's, we don't have a national church. Yeah. Now, Russia is still a communist country that doesn't necessarily have a national church, but there is this level of, um, uh, what am I trying to say, advising, you know, that happens in an official capacity. But um, isn't right. isn't we don't have a we don't have a national church, but we but nationalism is the effort to make a religion the official religion. Yeah, right. uh, um, nationalism in, in, in is sense. the America first idea, right? That that right. being American is put above all else. And yes. Christian being American, well, not just being they, American, you got to be a Christian American. They see American and Christian as synonymous. As synonymous, right? And, and, white, and, and whiteness, and you got the perfect recipe. And, you got the right, trifecta, it, yeah. Which is why we're very much trying to, you know. So that's why we call it white Christian nationalism. It, it, right. You know, that's that's that area. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, no wonder we talked about bad decisions. Thank you, friends, for tuning in to Above Theology Live. You can show your love for the show by becoming a supporter on Patreon. Get access to pre- and post-show banter and more. Visit patreon.com slash ptlive to get started. And a big thank you to our current patrons. Listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Our top cities this week were St. Paul, Columbus, and London, of all places. Ooh. Hey, you hitting London on your on your European tour? Um, I'm jumping. We're we're. Oh, he is. You're asking, well, not me. Well, both of you, because <laughs> are you going to? Aren't you going to? Aren't you so going we. To... Uh, there isn't a flight straight to Edinburgh, so we have to go to yeah. London and then hop a plane to Edinburgh. So. Gotcha. One more month. And are you going? Are you hitting up London on your way over there, right? Yeah, so you're why aren't we out of London? Why aren't we coordinating a London trip? I'm, uh, I'm like, because we're come gonna on. be there like four months apart. We should have planned this better. <laughs> no good idea, guys. Here, <laughs> watch us uh, live Tuesdays on Facebook around 4:30 p.m. Find or create a pub theology in your town. Learn more at pubtheology.com. And until next time, friends, drink responsibly, unlike Ogan, and keep those Whoa. conversations flowing. <laughs>
throw me under the bus like that. I Damn. mean, you. Oh, I don't God. know that. I don't know that four was, you know, honestly the most ridiculous number. I've drank a lot more than four. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's true. There are there are stories, I'm sure, for all of us. 